anybody, uh, you don't have to answer this out loud, would anybody describe you as lazy? I'm hope, I hope not. I, I ran across this uh, story this week. There was a sign in a store window that read, no help wanted. And two men passed by and saw that sign and one guy said to the other, you should apply, you'd be great. Uh, uh, someone else said that there, uh, there are really just three kinds of workers. For example, when a piano has to be moved, the first kind of worker gets behind and pushes. And the second kind of worker pulls and guides. And the third kind grabs the stool. Three different kinds. I don't know which one you might be. Um, and I'm sure that no one here would, uh, would describe themselves or be described as lazy. I mean, uh, it, maybe some of us are more motivated than others. But we work. We do chores. We do our homework and, and cook dinner and care for the kids and the pets and, and the house and all those kinds of things. We, there's a lot to do and, uh, and we do it. And in our spiritual lives, I think the same thing uh, should be true, that there is a lot to do, and we need to be doing it. This winter, we've been focusing on our mission as a church. We live to love people to life. And uh, then we've given you these five questions, and if you haven't gotten one of these cards yet, uh, there are more out there on the pallet wall, out in the foyer, uh, the five questions of uh, what, we're, what we ask ourselves. If we're asking ourselves these questions, then, then it kind of helps us stay on track in our, uh, in our mission. If you were to ask these five questions regularly, daily, uh, maybe more than once a day, I, I think they would motivate you to action, uh, doing the things that, that God wants you to do. We've walked through the first three. Have I met with God today? Am I trusting and obeying God in everything? Do I see Jesus in the mirror? And that one freaked some people out last week, but that's all right. We're talking about God's character being formed in us, right? And then, uh, who have I served today? Am I close to someone far from God? Uh, the primary passage that we've been working out, out of has been John chapter 15, uh, where Jesus uh, uses the image of the vine and the branches to illustrate how life with, with him works. When we're, when we're connected to him, we're connected to the vine, we, we're submitted to his leadership, we follow what he says, we trust him, he de he's developing his character in us, and, and we don't just do what Jesus does, we're becoming who Jesus is, right? And so that, that life-giving connection brings God's Holy Spirit to live within us, and the, the, the word picture, the metaphor there is kind of like the, the sap going through a, uh, uh, from the, the branch into the, or through the, from the vine into the branch and, and producing fruit. Uh, it's, it's God uh, in us and through us that does all that. We, we can't do it. We just have to make sure we stay connected to him. And so last week I told you that the primary fruit that, uh, that should be seen in us, if we're going to see Jesus in the mirror, if we're going to see his character in our lives, if we're becoming more like him, the primary fruit that we're seeing is love. Uh, Jesus said that, that he remains or makes his home in God's love and we should be making our home in his love and, and then we should be living that out. We're loving those around us. So if you're seeing Jesus in the mirror, you're becoming more of a person of love. If you're irritable or unforgiving or seem to be lacking in the love department, uh, it's not that you just buckle down and try to be more loving. It's that you focus on that connection with Jesus, the connection between the branch and the vine. And if you're connected to him, then you'll be growing. And the primary way that you're growing is in love, Jesus kind of love. And that, that kind of love is a love that, uh, that motivates us to action. We'll start serving God and uh, start serving those around us as we do that. And so that's why we have this fourth question, who have I served today? 
One of the biggest dangers that a uh, Jesus follower can, can fall into is to get just enough religion to be comfortable, right? To, or I guess we could say spiritually lazy. When, when people come to Jesus, there's a tendency to focus on what Jesus can do for them. What, what's he going to do for me, right? But when we start following Jesus, it's like joining his team, and then now we're a part of his mission and what he's doing. And so it's not just what I can get for me, but how can I accomplish his plans in the world? We are here on this planet not to seek our own comfort, but to reach out with compassion. We can get so caught up in what, what we want and, and what makes us feel good, what ministers to my soul and we lose sight on why we're here. We live to love people to life. And so Jesus' uh, teaching about the vine and the branches helps to, uh, to, to make that clear. And, and really, that's in the context of a, of a long conver- dinner conversation that Jesus had um, in, uh, in the upper room uh, the night before he was crucified. So, so uh, John chapter 15, we're reading that, and he's talking to the disciples around this, uh, around this table, and they're eating this meal together. But a, a couple chapters before that, uh, we see that Jesus has already been showing his disciples what real love and self service is all about uh, still in that upper room uh, during at that, that last supper. Literally just hours before the crucifixion, Jesus is telling them that some, some pretty important things because he knew that they'd be on their own real soon. He knew that. They were still trying to wrap their head around it. They didn't know what was coming. And so he's trying to tell them all these things. And so, so uh, uh, he started off with an object lesson. And, and we read about it in John chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 1. Um, so they're gathered, gathered in that room, John 13, verse 1, and it says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I want to look first at verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Power uh, looks... Well, what does it look like in our society? Maybe we think of a military force, right, displaying strength through, through an army. Or maybe it's a dictator demonstrating his power by persecu- persecuting his people. 
Maybe power looks like uh, corporate bosses uh, showing their leadership through intimidation, layoffs, manipulation, uh, even in, uh, in the news. Well, all these things I think we could probably name in the news, but even maybe a, a, an entertainment giant who uses power to control women for his own pleasure. We see, we see displays of power and control many times from people that are in charge, right? And that might be one big reason why Jesus, the guy with the most power and absolute control, uh, the son of God himself, did not come with manipulation and authority in mind. John tells us that Jesus knew here that, that, it, that his time on earth was quickly fading. He knew that his father had given him complete power. Everything was under him, he said. He was a son of God. Uh, everything's under his control. I think if this was a Hollywood blockbuster, it might have looked a little bit different. I think Jesus, you might have read something like this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he'd come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the table, his eyes glowing red, he flexed his muscles and then grabbed Judas by the throat and threw him out that second story window, right? And then he flew to the Pharisees meeting and blew up the place and thwarted the whole plan and we sing about it. Usually we view uh, power and control that way, somebody's in charge and they're going to They're going to take over. But when Jesus had a firm vision of the power that he'd been granted from God, he didn't grab weapons. He grabbed a towel and a bowl of water, and he started washing dirty feet. And I think if we think about it for just a minute, your mind is blown in the moment where Jesus knew that all authority had been given to him everything he had the power and he used that power to serve Jesus had been with these guys uh, virtually 24-7 uh, for the last three and a half years, right? He loved them, it says. He, plain and simple, he loved them. He wanted to show them uh, not only how much he loved them, but show them what it would look like for them to, to love each other and to live out that kind of love in their lives. He wanted to show them how to truly impact the world, that ultimate power rests in love and selfless service, not in control or position or aggression or, or coercion. Apparently, uh, because this group was just borrowing the room for the evening, there, there weren't any servants taking care of all the common courtesies that would normally have taken place uh, when someone uh, went to dinner. Usually, and you probably, uh, maybe you're aware that in those days it was a courtesy to wash feet if somebody came over to, uh, to dinner because it was, it was uh, dirty and they walked everywhere in sandals. And roads were not paved, and there were animals walking the roads. And they, they, when, it, uh, when it rained, those roads were muddy, and when it was dry, those roads were dusty. And any way you looked at it, your feet were getting dirty the minute you walked out the door. And let me remind you that they didn't necessarily sit at tables like we do, uh, where, uh, where they would have ch- chairs on legs and pull up and their feet are down underneath there somewhere. Uh, it's literally a low table, and it says that they were on cushions reclining at the table, which means your feet are kind of close to everybody else. And, um, you know, I don't, anyway, uh, we don't have to get too... Uh, too graphic here, but I think in order for everyone, I mean, it, was, it wasn't just a courtesy to wash feet, but it was pretty important if anybody was going to enjoy this meal, because otherwise it just wasn't good. I mean, I don't know. I, I think about uh, today what the, what the uh, uh, equivalent might be. I, I don't know. If, maybe a, a relatable task could be working the plunger. 
demeaning yet a very necessary job. Somebody's got to do it, but it's just not the most pleasant thing in the world. From reading other gospel accounts of the Last Supper, we know that at some point, either before or at the beginning of this, this meal, uh, the disciples were arguing a little bit. They were arguing, it tells us that they were arguing specifically about who's most important among them. Luke twenty two twenty four says it just that way. A dispute broke out among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. There's a, there's a great church conversation, right? Next uh, Sunday school class, why don't we just banter around about who's most important in the class, right? Now I think, uh, scripture doesn't say this, but I think that it's possible that that argument could have resulted from them trying to get each other to do the feet washing, foot washing that night, right? I mean, well... I mean, we need our feet washed, guys. Uh, hey, Bartholomew, why don't you go grab a, grab a towel and, and get some water? And Bart might have said, well, why do I have to get the water? Why don't you get the water? Uh, why don't you grab the bucket? And then, uh, you know, what makes you better than me? And I'm not going to wash the feet, you wash it. And, and it, you know, it, I think very, uh, very realistically that could have been uh, where that argument started. And, and it could have been that at that point, uh, rather than arguing or rather than appointing someone... They're bantering around and arguing about who's most important and Jesus quietly gets up and shows them not just what real leadership looks like but what real love looks like because real love serves. So Jesus got down and he washed their stinky feet, 24 feet in the room and then he explained In essence, he said, I'm your teacher, I'm your leader, I'm your Lord, and I just washed your feet. You need to wash each other's feet. Now, some theological circles, uh, even to this day, have taken this as a command from Jesus to physically wash each other's feet at different times uh, in, in services and other things. If, if you've ever been to a Maundy Thursday service, a lot of times foot washing is part of as they live out or reenact uh, or, or live out the, uh, uh, what, what Jesus did there in that, in that upper room. Uh, I've participated at times in very meaningful experiences where we've uh, washed each other's feet. It's, it's, it's a humbling, unifying experience, both for the person doing the washing and for the person whose feet are being washed. It's, it's significant. It's a little weird, but it's significant, right? I, I believe that Jesus didn't do this, though, just so we'd have one more ritual to walk through during a church service. There's, there's so much more to it than that. As, as one commentator said, you know, Jesus said, uh, do, do as I have done. And one commentator said, to do as I have done will take every disciple down unpredictable pathways where no water or towel will be in sight. In other words, this is a whole lot more than, uh, it's about so much more than washing feet. It's an example of the heartfelt servanthood and the love that should characterize the church. Wash each other's feet. Grab up the plunger if you have to. No matter, no one is greater than anyone else. Let's love and serve each other. And that's easy to say, but not as easy to do because feet stink. And people are hard to deal with sometimes, right? And we get busy. And life is hard. And wouldn't it be better if somebody served me for a change? I mean, I've got... and. The, And Jesus told his disciples to do as he had done, not because people deserve to have their feet washed, but simply to show love, to serve. One 
One of my all-time favorites, I'm sure I've told it before, but uh, I think it's worth it again. One of my all-time favorite stories about uh, serving others is about a man and his wife who were awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning by a loud pounding on the door. And the man got up and he went to the door and standing there is a drunken stranger standing out in the pouring rain asking for a push. Not a chance, the husband said. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, you're drunk and I'm trying to sleep. And he shut the door and he shuffled on back to bed angry and his wife said, well, who is that? And he said, oh, some drunk guy asking for a push. And his wife said, well, did you help him? And he said, well, no, I did not. It's three o'clock in the morning. It's pouring rain outside. He's gotten himself into this mess and I'm not gonna help him get out of it. And his wife said, but honey, remember, remember there a couple months ago when we broke down and, and, and those two guys helped us. We really needed some help and they helped us even though they didn't have to. I mean, maybe you should, maybe you should help him. And the man laid there for a few minutes and felt guilty and finally harumped around and, and got dressed and went out to the, the, the door and, and opened up the door again and looked out into the dark and, and, and said, hello, are you still there? And he heard, yes. Do you still need a push? Yes, please. Well, where are you? Over here on the swing. I mean, that'll preach, right? I mean, that's just, you won't remember anything else, but you, I mean, that's just, that's quality stuff right there. Jesus told us to, to go and do as he has done. And it's not about serving people who deserve to be served. Well, he's gotten himself into this mess. I don't need to. I mean, if, if Jesus was talking about only serving those who deserve to be served, he would have washed his own feet and been done with it that night, right? Because none of those other guys deserved it. His motive wasn't to pay back people, these guys who, who uh, might deserve to be helped, but he's merely serving in order to meet needs, and in doing that, he's showing love. Last week, when I, uh, I told you that uh, when you start seeing Jesus in the mirror, you're, it's going to look like love, and you'll start to, to see yourself becoming a person who is characterized by love. What does love look like? Well, Jesus showed us, at least on that night, in that place, uh, in that room that was beginning to smell more like a locker room than a dining room, love looked like taking off his outer garment, pouring water into a basin, grabbing a towel, and washing one foot after another after another. What does loving service look like for us? Where are the dirty feet in our world? I guess that's the question that, that we need to ask as we uh, walk out of here. Okay, who have I served today? Well, um, we, we need to uh, see where, where, what that looks like. Maybe it means serving in, a, in the church, maybe a teaching a class or, or serving on the, the church board or, or, or cleaning the church or g- greeting at the door or a whole host of things. I mean, many of you can check this off at least once a week, right? Uh, you, who have I served today? Well, I served at church today and uh, you can write down all those names. I uh, did whatever and, and I'm serving. If you're not serving in a ministry here, then man, by all means, uh, what are you waiting for? Let's, uh, let's do this. We uh, we always have places where you can serve uh, through the life of the church. But it's not just that. We're not just, okay, well, I'm, I'm in this, this official role, and so now I'm serving. Uh, I think that's important, and we need to have those things. But, but also serving in love could be happening, needs to be happening in our homes, right? Uh, serve your spouse. Serve your kids. Serve your siblings. 
Yes, I said, serve your siblings. Uh, Do what you don't feel like doing in order to bless someone else. Love them even if they don't deserve it. Believe it or not, you can serve at work. You can serve at school. Uh, Look for ways to meet needs without expecting anything in return. It might be a welcome change in a place where people are usually only looking out for themselves. So I hope, I guess, uh, as, as we think about this, who have I served today, we need to be praying about it. We need to ask God to bring people and situations and opportunities across our path where we can make a difference for him. Because love takes action. Love serves. Who have you served today? Father God, as we think about the challenge to serve, as we think about the example that Jesus has given of the basin and the towel, of doing what's not necessarily the most pleasant thing in the world, simply out of love and service. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you would help us to know where you want us to serve. Lord, for, for some that might be stepping into a, a, a ministry situation that's, uh, that's maybe uh, short-term or long-term, maybe it's a, a, an official capacity in some way to, to serve in and through the church, or, or maybe it's a, a person that, that springs to mind, someone where we can meet a need, uh, we can, we can uh, show love. Lord, I pray that you would, you would uh, make that clear to us. Maybe it's an opportunity or a place, and, and as, we, as we live our lives and we go to those places, Lord, that you, that you would give us those opportunities and make it clear how we can serve, how we can show your love. Most of all, Lord, I just pray that, uh, that each and every day that we would be characterized as we're becoming more like you, as we're becoming people of love, that that would be seen, that it would, be, that it would take action, that you would be seen in us and through us as we serve those around us. Lord, I thank you, and I think about the, uh, the, the potential that is in this place today, and as you speak to each one of us, and as we go from here and disperse into, into the community where we live, Lord, such potential to, to bring your grace and your love to those in need. Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do through us this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.